Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi everybody, it's Heather. The episode that you're about to listen to was recorded at the first ever That Early Childhood Nerd Sleepover when uh, four, not all of the nerds, but four of uh, the nerds joined me in Indianapolis for a three-day slumber party. Uh, As you listen, you may notice that the tone um, and the recording quality is a little bit looser than other episodes, Um, maybe a little bit more spontaneous. Uh, but the quality of the discussion, uh, I think you'll you'll still really um, appreciate. Um, I love these brilliant, funny, passionate people so much. Um, it was a, an honor and, and so much fun to sit around an actual uh, kitchen table or coffee table. We did a little lot both um, and record these episodes instead of just looking at each other on Zoom and being with each other in real life. And I hope that when you listen... Uh, you will feel like you are also sitting around the table with these brilliant, funny, passionate people. Um, And I hope that you enjoy our sleepover sessions. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. Coming to you live from the Airbnb in Indianapolis. It won't really be live, though, when people listen. I'm Heather Bernsanti. Uh, Tiffany Pearsall's here. Pearsall. Pearsall. Have I been saying it wrong for Everyone years? Everyone says it wrong for, for years. Why didn't you correct me? It's your I'm fault. I'm doing it now. It's your fault. I'm saying it. Pearsall. Pearsall. Like Tiffany Pearsall, Pearsall your body part. is here. <laughs> Say okay. it as white as you can. Maybe later. Pearsall. <laughs> Bethany Corey is here. Hey. Liz Nolasco. Hi. And Mike Hewer. Hello. And me, Heather Brinsanti. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome to the Thank podcast. Thank you. I thought I'd, I'd come in. Wait. Did you pronounce that correctly? <laughs> I did. Heather Brent Sandy. Ooh, <laughs> how many different ways did you, you get your name written? Um, well, first the check just came addressed to Heather Brown Sandy, but made payable to that early childhood nerd. And then I corrected them, and it came to me, Heather Burnt, B-E-R-D-N-D-T, or something like that. <laughs> but the bank took that one. Oh, did so you get paid? paid? This is a great episode. This is really good. <laughs> yeah. so, um, oh, do we need to start again? Well, if anyone wants to send me any checks, they need to know. And my last name my, is H-U-B-I. It's, it's not C-U-B-E-R. Yeah, not, not, not my Huber. He's not Mike Huber. Um, but he is Mike Huber. Anyway, we're going to talk about interest areas. We are going to talk There's about tequila. interest areas. Interest areas isn't what it's called, is it? Sometimes learning centers, interest areas. Stations. Stations. Mm. Uh, I don't know what else. Is small it, group time, small maybe? No, I don't think no. it's the same no, as small we're not, group time. Yeah, we're talking more. We're talking yeah. about areas of the classroom that have been set up with a specific like content yeah, yeah. area or a specific theme, like the math center. And mm-hmm. the well, I'm glad I could be center. wrong for you. So you yeah. could have... Heather explained to me. Go ahead, We're Bethany. glad you were wrong too, Bethany. <laughs> 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 anyway, we just were talking about the idea of limiting... The number of children who can be in each of those areas, whatever you call those areas. And the way you just said that made it sound like we are talking about how to do that. <laughs> we were just talking about <laughs> the way some people do that, okay. and we were wondering why. And try, I was trying to remember personally 
why, because I've done that when I was, not as a teacher, but when I was a director and we used an older version of the creative curriculum, that's what my older classrooms did. They had interest areas set up and children could be like, there could be four here, four here, and you moved some kind of indicator along with you. And it was all predetermined by the teacher, not based on like, oh, this gets, two. this is a bad time if we've got eight kids in here, but no, not, not always. like there should some, be four children in here. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it, I've seen it sort of directed by the children or intended to be directed mm-hmm. by the children, and they just learn this. Well, and then they're like, oh me. man, there's four people, I wanted to go yeah. in there. Yeah. Or, there's, or they there's, take off the name There's of somebody in there with no name, and everybody's like, she's got, her name's not even on there um but anyway i was trying to remember why i thought that was a good idea and i can't remember why so that's the beginning of the I've podcast heard it as a safety concern if you're talking about anxious safety. teachers i've heard the depending on where it is or what it is like if, if there are too many children and like if it's a loft space like you have to live you have to limit the number of children in a loft because no three-year-old knows to like try not to fall out of a loft you know <laughs> um, yeah, I'm also curious how many programs have lofts that that would be, that, because I can't think of another oh, like. No, they sell them in every catalog. Oh yeah. please, so a good we can't have too many kids at the Play-Doh. Right, like right. that could be dangerous. You could Play-Doh your friends. They might start fighting over the Play-Doh. You know, you know. But like the emotional goes. uncomfortability is as equal as the physical uncomfortability so I, to a lot of teachers. Yes, I wonder so, if like, some of it not comes enough from if there's mm-hmm. too many kids. Well, that's the one thing. If there's not enough materials or whatever, but then that's an opportunity for negotiation and problem solving, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But I wonder if some of it is this. I don't. I don't know. If, but when I was first getting in doing the work, <clears throat> they talked a lot about breaking large groups into smaller groups. Hmm. With your environment, and that was why we did interest areas. So it wasn't just one, big, yeah, it wasn't just one big horde of children. It was this corner full, and this corner full, and this table full. Divide and conquer. Divide and I think it's control, it's right? Isn't that what it really is? Thanks, Janet. All right, Miss Jackson. You guys wanted. To- <laughs> Some of our listeners may have to Google that. I actually knew that one. Okay. So. I'm not a listener of the podcast. She's busy listening to 80s hits. So so what do we want to say about this? Well, I'm wondering, like, number one, why do you have specific centers in your classroom? Um, Because licensing and best quality and other rating systems and regulatory systems sometimes outline that you have to have that. But But I actually (laughs) just had somebody, I was like, every morning I come in and I get the classroom dressed and ready for the kids, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And somebody said to me, I had totally forgotten about centers. Yeah. And you just like, you're so good at just setting up centers. Mm -hmm. And I was like, do not call (laughs) what I am doing setting up centers. Yeah. But it's like, you know, they were, we made fresh Play-Doh and they were excited. So I got the Mm Play-Doh out. Why do you have that strong reaction? To not want to set up centers? I think I know. Why do you have that strong reaction to setting up centers? Tell the cheese sauce over here why you don't want to well, be accused of centering. Because that implies that I know better what the children want to do than what the yeah, children yeah. want to do. Yeah. I, I love the nuance of an invitation. Okay. I love the care that goes... What the fuck are you just, doing? Just yeah. do uh, Okay, talking, ignore just... Bethany. Oh. So I love the intentionality I of a center that's right. like... I think that's where most people's intention is, yes. with center. Yes, that, that like, is. yesterday we were into this, that reminded me of this thing I had at home mm-hmm. that I brought in for you, and it's ready. Mm-hmm. And then it's also just lovely for kids to come in to see, oh, someone's excited for me to be here. Mm-hmm. I can tell because they well. intentionally <laughs> thought about me. Well, yeah. So... 
one thing I like to be fair. One thing I'm realizing is when it, like with woodworking, mm-hmm. I would have goggles and tools, and I did have kids who were supposed to wear goggles when they're using the hammers or saws or something, and there was a limit, yes. like number wise, for sure, right based on the tools. But that's a natural. But, to me, yeah, that, to yeah, me that, yeah. That falls into a natural consequence that, like, right. there's only two hammers. Mm-hmm. This doesn't mean that we, like, need to have 18 hammers because there are mm-hmm. 18 children in the class. Right, right. That's how I am with glue guns. I can handle two yeah, glue yeah. guns at a time because yes. I want to be able to supervise that they're both being safe yeah. with the glue guns. Yep. I have to catch and up. Why are we Sorry. Thank you for giving me more safety ideas than lost. Well, I just, I just yeah. wanted to be, fi- like, because there are times when there is safety, I guess, is yeah. what I'm thinking. Like, even, but... But it's also not the children's job to monitor that safety. It's our job to right. set yeah. up the limiting factors that like build yeah. in the safety without right. conflict. And but like glue bottles, who cares? Well, yeah. But we're depriving them. Of- I got you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Tiffany just uh, tricked Heather with the, the old. <laughs> Empty cracker wrapper. Crackle wrapper. <laughs> Empty she she hid a empty wrapper of chocolate in the chocolate bag, and Heather got really angry at Mike. He <laughs> did not Man, because I blamed him. Because Bethany pointed at Because I said it was Mike's fault. So re-trauma. This that's my big sister would do that all the time. Oh. We know I'm a big sister. This is like trauma night for Mike. I'm sorry, sorry Mike. about okay. rehashing. We're but we're, we're depriving children of the opportunity to take care of each other when we I love you, when we go over the top in giving like oh one for each person because the children can't then make their own decisions about oh this is also why I hate timers. So yes, much. oh man, timers. Mm-hmm. I'm really flip flopping not... on turn lists. Also, what are turn lists? Oh, why? When is determined by the child? Because it's still in adult control in too many. Like, I think, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry, timers. Oh, no, I'm just saying, like, it's depriving children of the opportunity to take care of each other and to learn to take other people's needs into account. If the teacher just determines, like, I have three more minutes on the tricycle, or everybody gets their own glue bottle or glue gun or, you know, whatever, I don't get to learn, like, oh, talk about opportunity cost. Oh, yes. This seems like opportunity cost. This does feel like opportunity cost. So it is more convenient for the teacher to not have to be on top about What is opportunity cost, Liz? It's when you prioritize. I mean, we all have to prioritize and make decisions about how we're going to make our own days easier, make the children's days easier, and what we're wanting to work on. And, of course, there are many things that we want the children to work on, and they're working on many other different things. Mm -hmm. But there's still that opportunity cost of when you decide to work on one thing, like cutting with scissors along the line and you give every child a pair of scissors, they're losing out on that opportunity to say, oh, you know, I just cut my stuff with my scissors. Here, you can have a turn, Heather. <laughs> yeah. And they're, right. they're so just missing a that importance. Anytime you make a choice, there are mm-hmm. choices you did not make. Or Precisely. Whatever. Right. There's, there's or choices we didn't let them make. Or we did right. or the, mm-hmm. Yeah. That. Or negotiations we didn't let them try. Mm-hmm. And like we, a lot of the opportunity cost is social. Right, I was going to say, when we prioritize that school readiness piece, mm-hmm. they're, they're losing a lot of the yeah. social opportunities. But I feel like the um, movie store example might pay into this as well. That, like, back in the olden days, when you had to go rent movies at a store, right. and Titanic came out on VHS, they would have, like, 
five mm. racks devoted to Titanic because they knew that everybody was going to want to watch Titanic. Do you right. always need that many? For a no, they do, you don't always need that many. But I think that that also ties into this. That is the right. is the opportunity here for mm. everyone to do this new thing together. Right? Or is mm. it that interaction and that right. negotiating? So, so maybe not right. that either of those things is wrong. Yes. But considering right. what the what the but. cost. Benefit analysis. And maybe. how many opportunities are in the classroom. Yeah. Like, yeah. I am a firm believer that the sandbox should have a shovel for each. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But then there are other materials where they should be able to. Yeah, and then the shovels are going to break. Or, like, in Minnesota, <laughs> everything's buried in snow now for the next four months. So, mm-hmm. like, oh, we don't have any shovels anymore. <laughs> or sometimes the shed is now frozen shut. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry, in two months it'll be open yeah. again. But then, of course, there's snow to play on and ice to slide on and stuff. So, it, in some ways, but um, but I would I say that a quality classroom, air quotes for air quotes listeners. for quality, like affords for all of those choices. Yeah. yeah. How? What? Like sometimes the the opportunity cost is that I am gonna get eight thousand miniature shovels for the sand table because I know this is gonna be a right, right, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. and I want everybody to be able to do it together as right. a whole group because I know they'll want to do that. Right. Or, I'm just trying to get you all to talk. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just thinking about what you lose having everything available all the time. Yeah. Like, okay. And I don't know, I don't have any other thoughts beyond that. And child that care bar and grill made me do that when I was doing family child care after there was They made you do that. You made me do it. No, I'm they not, talked I'm about. Not affiliated. You said we, so I just, you know. <laughs> no, they, they did a thing about like rebuilding our classroom from empty, oh, right? And right. so the kids built oh, there for yeah. there had been no new kids. I just, I put. The vast majority of things away. I was like, you guys can do what? Like, I had a handful of things out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, you can ask me for anything, but like, let's see what you're actually wanting to use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was why I got to tell you the Miss Wiz, I need some woke story. Miss Wiz. Knew that they could ask me for whatever they needed, mm-hmm. and I would do my best to accommodate, but it doesn't all have to be out and present. So I'm going to be my own publicist now to say mm-hmm. that Teaching I'm with the Body and Mind mm-hmm. had an episode on abundance oh. I don't what know, did you a few say months ago. It? Well, <laughs> Yeah, so should, should Are I you just me the whole thing? Mike? <laughs> but it was that idea that like sometimes it's nice that every kid has a shovel uh-huh. and things. And I mean, essentially it's like the reason to be go. outside is because there is an abundance of materials because there's leaves for everyone. And when kids right. play with all those leaves or they get crushed up. There's more leaves. Only or more people in leaf play at a or, time. <laughs> or when the leaves are gone, it's because the snow is down now. Yeah. Now there's the snow to play. And so that, but that idea that finding what are the times we can do that. And also the message, we don't want the message we're giving of like. Uh, Free for all. <laughs> yeah. Or like resources are just. Limitless. Uh, yeah. Limitless. Right. So, yeah. so there's not a. Yeah, and more about, I guess, it's reflection, right? Like, deciding which things... I mean, that's where I think of the opportunity. I think it's a good way to think of it. Because there are opportunities where you are going to choose. You know what? I want this. Like, we really got to get on that hike. I don't want the discussion to be around, um, where should I set my shoes when I put on my boots and snow pants Mm -hmm. and all that. So, like, I am going to define that as a teacher. Yeah. Because it's like, that's not the time I want to spend negotiating. Like, mm-hmm. 
what should we do when we're out there or should we you know try to move this big rock or whatever mm-hmm. and there that's could be room for negotiation on some of those practical things i've definitely had my oh, mind yeah. changed from with kids who are like but i can just put it next yeah to but i mean there are times when i'm going to choose things because yeah but i'm not going to be rigid either right? sure, yeah. and it's just like oh well here put your shoes here and let's put this on and go and then if they are like well i want to put them over there I'd probably be like, oh, yeah, okay. sure, put them over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's not that I'm not like, nope, sorry, I already decided. And that's right. that's the thing going back. Well, watch this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having the four spots, the four Velcro dots, yeah. it's like, oh, I'm sorry, there's four Velcro dots. Right. Like, it's so that there is no, like, oh, you know what, I want to go there too. Because when I see kids who came from, a, you know, somewhere else and they're mm-hmm. in my classroom, they're like, is, but there's four kids and it's like oh yeah and you want to go there too what what can we do so there's room for you well and we presumably are setting this up because those are the areas of learning we want all children we, we want all children to experience with us mm-hmm. and then if we're limiting it constantly or making it hard to navigate some kids aren't going to have access to that experience we said was right. important enough to set up and some mm-hmm. kids are going oh. to become so dysregulated that they can't participate in anything right. for the next hour because they're so upset that right. this center is full yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if it's a counting thing, there are so many better ways, more effective ways, to, oh, ways yeah. to do to do counting and one to one correspondence. Those are some of the other rationales yeah. I've heard. See right. the episode on uh, meals and plating and all yeah. that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. I don't know if, if it airs. What's that one? If like, it airs, Melinda's cookbook. Melinda's yeah. cookbook is the name of that episode. <laughs> Um, oh, they're they're all gonna air. Oh, okay. But we don't know what to order. I say now. So be, <laughs> I might be talking about the future right that's now. That's true. Ooh, oh, no. hand. What? Yes. So, Tiffany. Um, another thing that's missed in this only so many kids in a center is like you are immediately communicating that you're not observing the children. Right? If every single oh. kid wants to be at that touch table, oh, getting that sensory pouring experience, sensory you will what? never pouring sensory pouring. pouring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, what? If everybody wants to pour, but you only get four kids there every That's five days, seven. like. Everybody wants to whore, Heather. <laughs> also, not what I heard, but. <laughs> Ooh, but you go ahead. You're saying very smart things. <sighs> I'm trying. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. This now. episode is brought to you by tequila. What else? You're eliminating an easy means of observation by dictating who goes where. Because if everybody wants to be somewhere or nobody gives a crap about your glue activity, then why would you keep putting it out? Or the kid who gets overwhelmed and wants to go to the activity because there's no one else there. And now I can go over here. And have that space. and, And I'm hearing a lot now. Kids just don't know how to play anymore. I've got this one kiddo who just won't play uh, or doesn't know how to play. We put so many barriers in their way. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, especially if we have a child that we feel like is having a hard time entering play or sort of asserting, advocating for themselves in play. And we've set up this weird system that makes it harder. <laughs> like, right. It's just going to be But really adults tricky. can't do this. So like, adults be... literally can't 
Mm-hmm. We often put Redesign higher expectations on children that than says, we are willing to accept for yes, ourselves. Yeah. Only this many people here, or keep your effing seatbelt on while the seatbelt signs on on your plane, and don't get up and or walk around. Or limited fifteen items in the aisle. <laughs> You're looking yeah, forward like, to oh. flying home tomorrow, aren't you? I'm not. <laughs> the flight like, itself will be fine. It's yes, getting there it's and getting, getting there and getting. Home. I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> My hour drive home can yeah. be brutal. Oh, <laughs> we are. Feeling for you. Get yeah. in your trunk. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Get in my trunk. Um, uh, what else are we talking about? I had a thing and I brought over notes so I would Thank stop you. forgetting what I was thinking about Please. as I thought them. But but now Tiffany, would you run the show from the rest of the way here? No. Okay. I'm a terrible showrunner. We just talk because I like I to stay at my station the all the way until my pastors <laughs> I like to start so back. So, how okay, do okay. we Thank you, encourage a listener? whose classroom is set up in distinct centers yeah. and they have the dots yeah. and the kids are every 15 minutes moved to a new center. Sure. How do we encourage them to well, let go of that? We have to figure out what, what the goal is and that will, that will sort of help Ooh. you figure out what you're... Start with the value. The value shit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that Mike keeps talking about. And Tiffany, too, probably all of us have been talking about that except me, really. But this is my, my value debut. Anyway, we figure out why, why they're doing it. Why do they value think they debut. need to do it this way? And that's when we can start to... Right. So it's like, what are the values? And Let's start there, I guess. What do you value in your classroom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are plenty of ways to scaffold that educator yeah. that yeah. has our dots everywhere. Like, can you just remove your timer? Mm-hmm. Can you, right, right. Can mm-hmm. you one just step like, at a time. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I would say, going, I, I guess this yeah. is going into my values, but like when I remember when I started allowing roughhousing in the classroom, mm-hmm. I said, like you so, have a book called my Rough and Tumble Play. <laughs> oh, I have two publicists now. <laughs> but I was just un- like, I'm unemployed. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I was like, so I was thinking, oh, I read the book Let's Play Rough by Lynn Janelle. Mm-hmm. Great book. And it's just about a toddler playing rough with their parent anyways say more it's a really good book though but it is literally just a slice of life Mm -hmm. and and i talked to lynn janelle about the book and she's like yeah i don't know anything about rough and tumble play because for for my book i talked to her and she's like i but i would just while i was pregnant watch my husband play with our toddler and they would just be playing in this way like how is this fun but they kept doing it over and over and Mm -hmm. over and over so i just wrote a book Describing what I saw. Um, but anyways, I read the book to the kids. And I, said, I was thinking that we could just play this way here. And left it to the kids. And they were like, oh, I play that way with my mom. Or I play that with my dad. And, and there's this one girl who had just joined the class. Like, she, like I don't know. what It was maybe November or December. So she'd sort of, you know, moved in the area. And, and whatever. Not a natural time. Like, every uh-huh. other kid had already established friendships. Yeah. But she's like, oh... They all play rough with their parents, and I play rough with my parents. Connection. I bet I could play rough with them, and then we'd be friends. <laughs> and so that's what they did. And then it turns out, like, she was the youngest kid in the class. Like, she was, like, three, and everyone else was, like, four or five. And kids quickly learned it took two of anyone else to take her down. She was, like, the roughest, the toughest. Yeah. But I guess getting to that point of you could say to the kids hey i was thinking like you know sometimes kids some i see some of you get frustrated that you can't go into this mm-hmm. area when you want to and what if we just took yeah. down the dots and play what yeah. 
what, what do you think would happen? And then let them talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and in some ways, you're really just, I think, reassuring yourself. Like, no, I, yeah. When I think back on it, it's like, I mostly had to say that. Yeah. If I just, like, if kids started roughhousing and I just didn't say anything, it would probably eventually happen. Mm-hmm. But because yeah. I brought it up, it made me feel better about well, it. Well, and they do. So, I feel like a lot of kids are the rule followers. Yeah. Fowlers? Followers. followers. <laughs> and, um... Okay, you know, they're like, well, <laughs> yesterday, I, you know, the rule was only four kids. Like, Fair. Mm, yeah. why are there? But it's an opportunity to right. talk. Yeah. Mo- Maybe that's where you're going. I'm sorry. I have no idea where I was going because I said dollars. And a like, great way to, like, we, describe. Oh, you know, I'm not sure that was, was the best say, way. Yes. Let's go off the deep end and let the kids vote. Yeah. Well. Well, and if that feels Or consensus process, if you want to go. Way. Either way. Yeah. Either way. Um, I... Go I wrote it down so I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't forget. I think there's also a lot of pro- teacher pride and adult ego wrapped into centers. Yeah. Because I have it feels done this teachery. thing for you. Mm-hmm. It feels teachery. Yeah. And Definitely. I have made this center for you. You better appreciate it. The same way Bethany mm-hmm. made some cheese for me last night and I better eat it. Exactly. We'll post like, that video later. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany's cheese tantrum. <laughs> Well, there, there's this feeling of like ego reciprocity that I think mm-hmm. needs to be acknowledged as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That if you spend eight hours laminating and cutting out and making your yeah. little math spinner game, and you got a grant to stock your math shelf, and yeah, things, and, and then like every better, kid better sit and enjoy it for 15 yeah. minutes a piece because I worked well, hard on that. I did, and like, what would it do to your ego if nobody played the game? Yeah, right? one of the one of the the teaching situations I I've, I was in a few years ago. Uh, with a, I had a you know a co-teacher I'd never worked with before, and she was very. Her experience had all been moving through stations at mm. time intervals, and um, I you know I wanted to do away with that just completely. And and so she said, well, how do you make sure they're all learning everything? Mm. It's like well, you can guarantee that they could sit in your math center and spend their five minutes in that station or whatever and move along you still don't know that they learned anything about math and that like that's our hubris and assuming that we know what children are learning and just because of the materials we make them interact with right i don't know i go into my preschool room every day and talk about uh conservation momentum and they all understand they all understand it because i went into i presented it to you thus you know yeah i got some slides (laughs) Well, no, the, actually, when I allowed roughhousing and it took two kids to knock down the one kid, there you they go. learned. There you go. Sorry. They learned no, real fast. Um, <laughs> and that's our, that puts it back on us in a way that I don't think that as teachers we often want to do because it's not easy, but we have to slow down and see what learning is happening yeah. in our group. Okay. children like so, it, it I know it doesn't I mean it doesn't matter if what they're learning like whatever no, let the kids be kids no, but, I was like, just mind but like we have to it's our job if we want to know what they're learning yeah. it's not to set up an activity that will prove that they learn something it's for us to slow down and observe and reflect on what we're seeing what we're seeing mm-hmm. so Okay, That's so harder. slow pedagogy has come up in a few Take episodes. Take it. <laughs> Wait, hold on, listeners. Oh, drink. Of course, drink. Um, what does it mean? Like, how do you slow down? Like, what are some... 
I'm looking at you, but I'm asking any of you. It's actually what does a it naturalist mean? mindset. Okay. It comes from naturalists. And so it's, it's this so idea of becoming curious through observation. That, like, if you take the time to stop and understand and ask questions from your own point of learning, yeah. that you will learn about other people. Okay. All right. Wow. Um, I'm having I'm a like, moment. I got drinks in. That got overwhelming good. happiness <laughs> that, that we have a drinking game about the word pedagogy. <laughs> <laughs> your life and you're all, here all in makes room sense. With me. Now. <laughs> it all came to this. <laughs> So anyway, that was your gratitude break. We have now placed a crown on Heather's head. Yeah. And a sash. No. Mm-hmm. Queen of the nerds. <laughs> all hail. Um, so I don't know. I just completely disrupted all the flow of that. Um, I had to do it. So the natural approach of oh, yes. observing. Natural. Continue. I need just a little oh, bit of a recap. This is like a total Tiffany tangent. <laughs> and that's fine, but I loved it. And now it's time for the Tiffany yes. tangent. <laughs> Okay, for the Tiffany there tangent. Is, there is a lovely... Okay, circling back. Back, please. There is a lovely naturalist who draws field guides. Uh-huh. John Muir Laws. Okay. And he has Beautiful. a lecture. Heard, I've heard of him. Yes. Yeah, it's really surprising to me. Oh, it's from Tiffany. From the last <laughs> Tiffany. T- <laughs> about from John the previous Muir Tiffany tangent. Okay. Yes. Also, so I live here to the John Muir Woods. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anyway. He's a so naturalist. He's a naturalist. He and he does all of these naturalists naturally. He does naturalist conferences. He teaches drawing classes. That one you earned. He's very into naturalist <laughs> sketchbook and sketching and drawing. And his whole philosophy of education around science and conservation is based on curiosity. Uh-huh. That if you can stop and ask questions, and for him, it, he translates the answers to those questions by drawing. Uh-huh. What does it remind me of? I don't remember. What it, there are three core questions that, like, if you can get curious yeah. about something, you will therefore learn about it because you are asking important questions <clears throat> and connecting it to other things. Yeah. And that's like entirely what observation as a classroom is. You're just not observing plants, you're observing children. Mm-hmm. What did Miller Gutzi say? The teacher is about the teacher being curious. It was in the book. Somebody has to say a what teacher book? is a researcher. In or? your slow no. pedagogy book? Slow, <laughs> slow knowledge Ding. and the unhurried child. Oh, <laughs> I'm empty. Uh, the book's too far. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll post a drink. Yeah, yeah. Malaguzzi said something about it. Trust us. <laughs> oh, I gotta go get it. Hold on. Okay. Gotta put those. Wait, someone talk. Sorry for the technical difficulties <laughs> with Bethany's brain. And back to Tiff. Tiffany Tangent. Tiffany Tangent. Part two. Okay, so the three, the three phrases are, I notice, I wonder, it reminds me of. And you can apply that to anything. And I apply it at the table at food time when okay. kids are scared to try this new food they've never seen before. Mm-hmm. I don't ask them to try the new food. I say, what does it remind you of? Mm. I wonder nice. how Rachel okay. made it. I notice That's that it's green, like the pistachios. Uh, but what I really wanted to talk about was that in one of these John Muir Laws videos, he talks about drawing birds, and he's like, really into birds? He's done entire bird field guides at the Sierra Nevada. And somebody asked a question, he's like, are you, 
Are you in the pre-feather stage or in the post-feather stage? What? And everybody in the audience stops because at a certain point, when you've learned so much about birds, you know how to draw every single feather. You're not drawing the outline of the bird and the shape of the bird. You're saying this is the tail feather of a kestrel. So it needs to be shaped like this and it needs to be colored like this and it serves this purpose because you've asked so many questions that you now know how to draw every single feather on that bird. So when that person <coughs> goes to draw a bird, it's gonna look amazing, whether they're good at drawing or not because they know all the parts of a bird. Okay. And I think as teachers, it's our job to be in the post-feather stage about Ooh. children in our class. You need to understand Whoa. and ask post enough questions <clears throat> to be in the post-feather stage. You're not drawing the outline of these children and making the color of Play-Doh that is orange, that is their favorite color. You're in the stage where you know how to engage them, you know where they are as learners, you know where they are as humans, and you appreciate that and you know. So you I'm gonna add on to this. <laughs> Charlie Kyle, who wrote about, kind of academically about what the groove is in music, talked about the way people, the groove is in the it heart, is thank you. But, he, <laughs> what I was going to say, he, um, what he talked about is when you first hear music that you're not used to, you start to say, oh, all country music sounds the same, or all this, and to me that's like putting four dots up. Yep, four kids are going to do this. You're not thinking about which four kids. Why is it only four? Are there are only four kids in your class who like this? Or, you know, and then you get to a point where you start noticing, like, oh, oh, that's Reba singing, that's not Vicki Lawrence singing, right? Whatever, right? Yes. And so you start to get to like the it individual It is the feather. night that the lights went on in you, Georgia. It is Mike. the night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but don't trust. Don't trust yourself. No backwoods southern lawyer. Thank you. I know that much. <laughs> so the four dots, yes. you're just seeing dots and you're thinking of the kids as kids. So I'm saying the yeah. same thing you are. Yes, exactly. But to like, so I'm thinking in music terms. I don't know. I'm still third stage. Okay. Oh, but musically, I hear something and I'm like, oh. This song is different than this one. Or if I hear things, they sound the same. That's just because I haven't taken time to listen yeah. enough. A another way to say that is being plant blind. What? So people, oh, there's a phrase no. called plant blind. <clears throat> and it's where you go out in nature and you're like, look at all this green. It's so green and lovely. Mm. But blind. What, when you are curious and you ask the three sure. questions on mm. your own, you start to say, oh, this is a great place where there's a huckleberry stand and I'll come back in late July and get huckleberries. You're not thinking about, oh, it's green and pretty. You're thinking about the individual plants and the environment and how they got there and when they'll be ready yeah. for the next step. Mm -hmm. And you have to start at the, oh, it's green and pretty to be yes. able to get there. Oh, yes. I, like I don't oh. want to shit on, oh, it's green. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Like, we've talked a lot about like the children who or the adults who go into early childhood who, who like, we were just talking about the other night, the dive, right? You start, dive. you start in early childhood, yeah, yeah. and you're like, I just love being around kids. I know nothing about theory. I know very little about practice, but holy shit, my job right now is to be here, read some books, blow some bubbles. This is fucking great. Get and some then hugs. You, yes, and then your practice <clears throat> takes a nosedive because you start teaching. Uh, and yes. you need to have that, wow, all of this God, this is the best podcast. And then <laughs> loop into each individual child and each individual <clears throat> feather and we're, uh, we're going yes. together as a group. Yes. 
Well done. Wow, it's like that was really good. <laughs> it feels like maybe we should be done. Now. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Mike, Where, drop. any Buffy fans? Where do we go <laughs> from here? Who is that? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't watch that. But anyway, this has been another episode. Miss Spike. It's oh, a bad early childhood nerd. I'm Heather Burnsanzi. These are the other nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Bye. Listen to this that podcast. This is a drinking game. <laughs> yeah, drink ready for this. Yeah, get one. I'm ready. That was really good. Thank you for carrying it. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production.